Hey there, Mark Ryder, NFP's Head of Innovation here. Before you get started with the Compliance Corner podcast, I wanted to let you know about a new podcast we'll be launching in the upcoming weeks entitled Innovation Conversations. Innovation Conversations will be interviews with leaders of the various startups we are sourcing through NFP's Innovation Lab and will give you a great opportunity to hear from true game changers. Be on the lookout for more information in the weeks to come. Now, back to your regularly scheduled program. Hello, and welcome to the Benefits Compliance Podcast. My name is Suzanne Spradley, and I'm here with my colleague, Chase Cannon. And we are here to walk through the events of today. Usually, we are talking about health reform topics, but often we take a a different approach and talk about different questions that are coming in um, from our clients. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to tackle a recurring topic, and that's uh, electronic delivery of plan-related documents. So Chase, take it away. Yeah, this is a constant challenge for employers. And actually, it's really two challenges. The first is figuring out and remembering all the different notices that have to be distributed to employees, right? Not only do employers have to keep track of the many different laws and changes to laws, they have to locate and in some instances customize the notices that are attached to those laws. So that's challenge number one, knowing what the employer has to distribute. And we have resources that can help with that. We're not going to walk through all of those notices right now. There are quite a few. Uh, but I did want to mention that as the first challenge. Once you identify those as an employer, the second challenge is really what we're focusing on today. How can you distribute those notices in the most efficient way and yet still satisfy all the rules associated with that from the IRS or the DOL? Okay, so I know you don't want to go through like a list of documents that have to be distributed to employees, but just give us a few examples of what you're speaking to. Right, fair enough. Employers want to know what we're talking about. So these are the standard plan notices and disclosures required by laws such as ERISA, COBRA, HIPAA, the ACA or health reform, and then a bevy of smaller laws like the Women's Health and Cancer Rights Act in the Newborns and Mothers Health Protection Act. So these are notices like uh, under ERISA, it's the SPD or summary plan description, the summary annual report, notices of, of special enrollment rights under HIPAA, COBRA notices like the initial or general notice in the, in the election notice, and the employer CHIP notice. So those are a few, um, but those are me- all meant to notify and explain to employees, hopefully in plain terms, what is going on with regard to the plan. So I can foresee a lot of these going in the trash. Um, so tell us, <laughs> yes. you know, the purpose behind these notices. I think it's important for one that employees understand and also that employers do too. Do you find that they actually read them? Yeah, probably not a lot of uh, uptake from employees there. I imagine a lot of these end up in the recycle bin or in the email trash, however you're distributing those, and we'll get to that. But it's, these are important notices. They're meant to help employees understand their benefits. In some instances, such as the COBRA initial notice, we're going to come back to that one a few times throughout. Uh, but that one's meant to put employees and some, in some cases their beneficiaries, like the spouse, on notice of certain obligations. So many employees don't realize that, um, and that's why they sometimes just toss them in the recycle bin, hopefully, not the trash. Uh, but um, above all, for, from an employer perspective, these are required by the law and in some instances come with uh, hefty penalties or consequences for failure to distribute. So, yes, it's important to get the notices out. For being honest, very few employees actually read them. 
Um, but think of it similar to the emergency videos on flights, right? No one pays attention, uh, but it's still important information. It's still required by the law. And then when there is an emergency, employees are going to want to know where this information is. In some instances, they'll try and pin it back on the employer. Hey, you didn't give me this notice. So being able to show that you did actually provide that notice as an employer uh, can help uh, avoid um, lawsuits from employees resulting from these misunderstandings. And then obviously there's always a risk of DOL or IRS audit on the plan uh, during which either of those will ask for proof that documents have been timely or inappropriately distributed. Okay, so give us a background on just the general delivery rules for notices and how the DOL says that notices must be distributed to employees and their beneficiaries. Yeah, so the rules are fairly broad and basically say that whatever method the employer uses, it should, quote, result in actual receipt of the notice. And so, in other words, make sure that employees actually get the notice. That should be the end goal. Uh, that basically breaks down to four methods that we're going to discuss today, and we'll progress through modernity <laughs> in addressing them. That's a fancy word. Uh, but the first is old school, so hand delivery. You, Mr. Employee, you're in my office. I'm handing you a copy of this notice. As easy as that sounds, it's not usually recommended. So, I mean, explain that because it seems like that would be the easiest and it seems like it would be preferred. You can assure that it's getting into their hands. You're, you're visually seeing that that's occurring. Right. You're both there in person. You both experienced it. Um, two witnesses usually is enough. Uh, but there's two reasons why this isn't recommended. First, some notices have to go to the employee and their beneficiaries, and you're only handing it to the employee. The best example of that, again, is the COBRA initial notice that has to go to a spouse that's enrolled in the plan. And so I can't hand the spouse that notice at work. The second is it's difficult to prove. It seems like we just mentioned this. It would be easy to prove. You both were there and experienced it. Uh, but most disputes about notice failures occur way down the road. So not at that moment. And then it becomes kind of this he said, she said discussion gets very difficult to show actual receipt. The employee can just claim they don't remember that or they weren't there. They have no recollection. So the only real success stories we've seen on hand delivery is where the employer has the employee sign or check off a box, something saying they received the notice when the actual hand delivery, the handoff takes place. Obviously, that can be onerous for the employer. And so you add in the fact that some of these notices have to go to beneficiaries and this becomes a non-preferred method for most employers. Certainly, that makes sense. So tell me a, a second method. Okay, second method seems kind of old school now, but it's really just good old-fashioned post office delivery. Snail mail. Snail mail. Just throw it, throw it in the mail. Uh, even in the electronic world, which we're going to get to next, snail mail is still considered by many to be the safest way to satisfy all the disclosure rules. And the rules on distribution say that first, second, or third class mail are all acceptable forms of delivery. As long as the employer is using that, uh, the last known address of the employee or beneficiary. So that may require a little bit of work from the employer. They have to keep records and make sure those records are up to date. This becomes a bigger issue when it's a notice that's going to someone who is terminating, like a COBRA notice, or somebody who, who's out on a leave of absence for FMLA notices. Make sure that you have that employee's most accurate and updated information when they're on their way out the door. 
but as long as the employer has no reason to doubt that information and who's living at that address, the employer is generally free to use the last known address for the mailing address. Um, in some instances, the employer will want to customize the addressees. The best example, again, is this COBRA notice. It has to go to a spouse, so you want to put the spouse's name on there to go with the employee. So the employer may want to address the envelope to both in that case. So it seems like it's going to be hard to prove um, actual receipt. What do the regulators generally look at and, and how you prove that up when it's just a snail mail mailing? So it's you're mailing something. How do you prove that you actually mailed it if you're not doing some type of of uh, receipt. Right. This is a really interesting point. And I'll start off by saying that it never hurts, even though it's not required, never hurts to be more cautious about showing proof of receipt and doing certified or registered mailings is one way to do that. You have a clear record, but the rules don't require it. Instead, in cases where employers mailed notices and you have a dispute arising out of that about actual receipt, the courts ask employers to show proof of processes. So the employer has to show that they regularly use mail as their form of communication, things like postal expenses, um, affidavits from HR and benefits folks saying that that's how they send notices and the time of year that they usually do it, employment records or list of addresses of employees, and then just a general description of how the employer follows those processes in sending out notices. So things like postal expenses, computer files with address records, those types of things. But there's actually no requirement, and it's a little bit counterintuitive from what we just said for hand delivery. It's hard to prove. In this case, courts have looked to that proof of process, not actually having to take a picture or otherwise show the actual envelope that was delivered to you. The, the particular employee in question. It certainly seems like a best practice could also be just uh, putting in your file a list of people that you sent, uh, of employees and, and beneficiaries that you sent notices to and on what date and to what address. Something that would be like an Excel file seems like it would be good to, to save Absolutely. for any type of mailing. That's the exact kind of proof of processes that would a court would look to. Okay. So using the postal service is fine. Um, what's the third method? Okay, the third, we're really moving into the modern world here with electronic delivery, um, sending notices via an, an email, posting them on an intranet, or using some type of app or direct communication via an iPhone or other uh, electronic device. So in our world, obviously this is the easiest way to communicate. Uh, regulatory agencies have said it's fine to use those, but they haven't provided the most clear rules on how to do it. And that's where some of this confusion comes into play. Uh, but cert as long as certain conditions are met, um, usually that's fine to send something via email. And whether the, condi the, the conditions basically break down into two types of employees, those who have electronic access is an integral part of their job and those who do not. What is integral? Integral is an interesting word, right? Um, but basically it means you have e-access as a big part of your job. Integral means um, integrated, it's part of your job, it's something you have access to every day. The rules say if you can check in on your phone, if you have a work email address that you're required to check with every day. 
um, then you have email or electronic access as an integral part of your job. So someone's using their email daily, which I can still think of a lot of uh, situations in which uh, an individual would not use email daily. Right. Um, but if they are using it as an integral part of their job, can they deliver all notices um, electronically? Yeah. So for those that have email access, um, we'll just call it email access. That's the easiest way to describe it. The employer can send notices via email, but the email has to have some very specific language in it. It can't just be a blank email with the notices attached. It needs to note the importance of the document, that it relates to pl the, the group health plan or what it has to state that there's a paper copy available of the, the notice that you're sending and then how to request that paper copy. So not just that it's available, how do I actually get that paper copy if I want it? And so that's where um, you know the, the email needs to be a little bit customized in that regard, but then you can just attach the notices. For those with, that are non-integral employees, as we'll call it, they don't have email access. You mentioned um, warehouse workers, truck drivers, mm -hmm. landscape um, workers, hotel workers that maybe just don't have that as part of their job. The employer has to go an extra step in order to be able to send an email. And that step is they have to get uh, permission from that employee from a specific email, a personal email essentially, but the uh, authorization needs to come from that email saying, yes, it's okay to send plan-related documents to this email. Mm. So that can be really hard in those industries that we just talked about. A lot of employees don't want to provide an email or they don't understand why they should. And so, or maybe they are okay with it, but they just don't ever respond to your request to get, to get uh, authorization from that email. So for that group of employees, if you don't have that specific authorization from the personal email, um, you cannot send email distribution of these uh, plan-related documents. So back to snail mail. <laughs> right, back to <laughs> snail mail. Exactly. So really, uh, the employer's task is figuring out which employees fall into which buckets and then making sure that um, you provide the email with the language noting the importance, the availability of a paper copy, and then back to snail mail for those that don't. You asked which, uh, which notices email delivery is okay for. Most notices it's okay. There are a few that are not. The COBRA initial notice keeps coming up. Um, again, that's because it goes to a spouse and spouses won't be on the email generally. Um, another example is wellness program notices. Those have to be in all materials that describe the wellness program. And so just handing a notice through the email is not enough. You also would have to add the notice to other uh, wellness program materials. Uh, FMLA is another tricky one because a lot of times FMLA COBRA notices are going to employees that may not be accessing their work email at the time that the notice is supposed to be sent. So those are also notices uh, that could be troublesome for e-delivery. What about the internet? That's certainly a question that we get. Can they just post the notice on the internet if everyone has access to it? It's a good practice to have notices out there for everyone to access on the internet. But by itself, it may not be enough to satisfy the disclosure rules. Again, that's because you are the, the result has to be actual receipt. And so if you're just throwing it out on the internet, internet um, you still have to tell employees where it is. And whether you can just send an email goes back to whether that employee has email as an integral part of their job. If they don't, you have to send a paper notice 
It can't be just on the intranet. If you are sending the email saying this is where it is on the intranet, you might as well just go ahead and attach the notice and be sure that you're satisfying the disclosure rules. So intranet is nice, but we don't recommend it generally as a it's way of- primary right. source, yeah. Not, not a bad secondary method if you want to make sure that that information is out in a number of different locations. Right. Um, and so there is kind of a fourth area now, a different way of delivering that we've seen crop up. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this is uh, kind of an outcropping of electronic delivery, but it's a little bit more advanced and sophisticated, and that's using the enrollment process as part of the delivery process. In other words, may an employer build the notices into the enrollment processes, and most enrollment processes are online now, so that's where you get the uh, electronic part of this. If employees have to, in other words, they're required to go online to enroll in or waive coverage, this can be an effective tool for distributing at least some notices. So again, that's good for notices like CHIP notices, HIPAA special enrollment rights, SBC and SPD, but it's not going to work for notices like COBRA or FMLA. I don't, I'm going out on an FMLA leave, I'm not going on to your online enrollment process to go through that process of the leave, and there are certain notices that I'm entitled to as an employee under FMLA. So it's not going to be a one-stop shop solution for all the notices, but it can be a good way, again, if employees have to go in, they're um, required to check off a box saying, hey, I've read this notice, it's part of a, a web page that you go to through the process before you can choose your benefits or enroll in benefits and even waive benefits, right? That's the other problem. Do I have to go on and if I have a negative um, or an evergreen election where I don't have to do anything and it will, my election goes forward to the next year, there's no guarantee I've gone online to make, to receive those notices. Right. So there's some parameters around that process, but it's definitely evolving. It's something employers want to do because it saves time. It helps them be more efficient, saves mailing costs, and builds it into the process. So I mean, we've certainly heard from, from our clients that they are emailing, um, using email uh, delivery as a way to distribute notices. And we're starting to hear more and more questions and more and more interest in doing the online enrollment. Do we anticipate that the regulators will uh, make any changes or will formalize any of their guidance regarding uh, this delivery method or any of the others? Well, we certainly hope so, right? We can always hold out hope. And the, uh, the, the DOL has mentioned earlier in earlier years that they are going to address this. Um, but they have not been great on getting ahead of the technology and the employment practices. There are, there's lots of unclarity there now. So the general feeling is that the agencies are behind the eight ball on this issue. But the DOL, as I mentioned, has said in the past they're considering new rules. And then recently, just a few months ago, the White House published an executive order trying to spur them on. The executive order was actually on retirement plans. Um, It was multi-employer plans on the retirement side. The primary purpose of that executive order is to direct the DOL to come up with rules that make these MEPs, multi-employer plans, easier to form similar to AHPs or association health plans on the health and welfare side that we've talked about. Uh, Smaller companies coming together to form retirement plans to help employees. But there was a section of the executive order at the end that directs the DOL to include in their consideration 
and I'm going to quote here because I thought the language is interesting, an exploration of the potential for broader use of electronic delivery as a way to improve the effectiveness of disclosures and to reduce their associated costs and burdens. So what does that mean? That means the DOL is being asked to look at their electronic dis uh, delivery rules at least as they apply to retirement plans. Again, that was the focus of the executive order. Right. So do so given that, that, that it was the focus on retirement plans, do we expect an impact on the health and welfare side? Yeah. Um, what does retirement have to do with health and welfare, essentially? Uh, the retirement disclosure rules are also found in ERISA. And most of the disclosure notices we're talking about today are also either found in ERISA or found in laws that relate back to ERISA when describing how they can be distributed. So bottom line, if the DOL makes changes to ERISA's disclosure rules on the retirement side, the health and welfare side is likely impacted by association. It's also possible that the DOL in its rulemaking on this will also directly tie in the health and welfare side. In other words, they'll say that these rules also apply explicitly to health and welfare plans. So it would make sense to try to get some of these um, formal rules on electronic uh, disclosure, you know, completed. But what are the other stakeholders? Because so we have the DOL and the, the IRS that are both on board. We've got employers that certainly would be on board with more of an, you know, an easier process. Employees like to receive their information more and more electronically. So are there any other stakeholders that would be opposing this? Yes, there's opposition in all things, right? Uh, two interest groups specifically that are opposed to electronic delivery. Uh, the first is led by the AARP. That's the American Association of Retired Persons. Um, we don't want to sound derogatory towards older, older folks, uh, but generally <laughs> speaking, older folks are less likely to embrace and use electronic devices. Um, so the AARP generally opposes things that make it harder for uh, pe for older people to uh, embrace and use. And so they say a rule that allows employers to use only electronic disclosure would, would hurt their constituents. The second is led by a familiar crew from Dunder Mifflin, Michael Scott, Jim Halpert, Dwight Schrute. This is the paper industry. Mm -hmm. uh, that interest is obvious. Cutting out paper cuts them out of the disclosure game, and that could be some serious dollars for them. Right, but uh, I would hope that the interest of the beneficiaries uh, would, uh, you know, take greater importance in the paper industry. Right. But um, so, how do you see this all shaking out for employers? I think employers are anxious for a better understanding of how electronic delivery of notices can work in their employment practices. Uh, there's nothing worse, really, than proceeding in an unclear environment, not knowing if something is allowed or not. And that's particularly augmented with the advancements in technology here. Most workers have phones, email addresses. Most employees prefer to communicate that way. Most employers are eager to simplify their administrative processes and cut down on costs. E-delivery seems to be a way to make everyone happy. And there are ways to address the AARP interests. You can build the rules in a way that makes uh, paper copy requests still allowable and in some instances maybe mandated. Like you said, I'm not sure you can appease the paper folks. That seems to be a bigger issue with the advancements of technology. But I think overall, we hope the DOL comes out with some more concrete rules surrounding technology and e-delivery. I think most in the industry, from what we're hearing and from what we think that the, uh, the DOL will respond to this executive order sometime within the next six to 12 months. 
Uh, that's kind of been their time frame on other executive orders uh, coming down under this administration. Uh, but hopefully that will reference these H uh, health and welfare notices as well. Um, in the meantime, employers can proceed under the rules that we discussed today. Uh, email notices are fine as long as email is, or uh, electronic access is a big part of the job. And um, as long as that email they send contains that basic information on the importance of the document and the availability of a paper copy. And then, like we said, snail mail for those that maybe don't have that electronic access. Terrific. Thank you, Chase. This is a very relevant topic. It's something that every employer has to deal with. And if you have any questions, certainly uh, reach out to your brokers. But with that, um, like we, as we like to say in the benefits compliance world, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thank you.